Hi, I'm Judy Carter, and this is the Power of Purpose podcast, where we explore how to live a purposeful life and how creative people like yourself can make a living doing what you love. Yay! Today we have a special guest who's doing just that. She's making a living from her purpose, and she she's, um, you're going to know her. Many of you know her. Actually, Wendy and I got together and hooked up when we both did Oprah Winfrey show. Wendy, do you remember that? Of course I do. I'll never forget it. A thousand <laughs> screaming women in a, in a giant stadium loving us with Oprah. So right. much fun. I had just written my book, and you were performing stand-up comedy, right? You were mm-hmm. like, it was I like was. housewives. You were a housewife then, right? Well, for that day, I was because they said you want to be on Oprah. It was right after Roseanne was a huge hit as a housewife. So suddenly, poof, you're a housewife. Okay, fine. So yes. Oh, that's why. <laughs> yes, you didn't realize oh. that. <laughs> That is, no, I didn't, I just realized that. Thank you. That was such a long time ago, but it really put both of us on the map. It was sensational. And then since then, you've gone on to do certainly, you know, a lot of stand-up comedy, and you've created um, this wonderful event called Tasty Words. And you guys really need to listen to her, her podcast. It's the Tasty Words podcast where she gets storytellers, really some of the top storytellers here in Los Angeles, and she creates this event, and she gets sold-out crowds. But mostly what i like to talk to you today about, Wendy, Mm -hmm. is you took some really difficult events that have happened in your life, um, getting divorced and having your best friend, Judy Toll, die of cancer at such a young age, and you took all these horrible things that have happened to you and you rolled them into this show called Ripe. And I saw that and I was I was so taken with it because it was so authentic and so real, so inspiring. And and where have you taken it? You've taken it so many places, right? Thank you. Yeah. We've been from Florida to Hawaii to uh, Vancouver and back down to really all over the country, everywhere. Um, my hometown I played, which was fun, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And I've uh, been really at Jewish community centers and uh, arts organizations all around the country. And it's been amazing. See, what is so amazing about Wendy, and that's why I really want to talk about the entrepreneurial spirit that we artists have to have. Because a lot of us go, yes, I know my purpose in life. There's something I really want to do creatively and get it out in the world. And it's that getting it out in the world that eludes so many of us. And I know so many of our listeners really would love, like they're always saying, oh, my life, what a story, right? So can you give them some advice on, you know, what, what can they do, especially during these times we're spending a lot of time, this is um, being, being taped at the time of our quarantine here in Los Angeles from the COVID virus. Yes, as somebody what? very wise on Facebook said, it's as if we've all been sent to our rooms to think about what we've done wrong. So while <laughs> yeah, you're in Mother your, Earth, you go to, yeah, your room go to your room and you think. But while you're in your room, you can create art. You can take your life and like you say, you know, the difficulties and turn them into your work turning lemonade, making lemonade from lemons. The one thing, the first thing I want to say about this is 
Don't assume other people have the answers for you. Don't assume that you, Judy Carter, and me, Wendy Hammers, have it all figured out and know how to do this. As my teacher and mentor, Jeffrey Tambor, says, everything is a performance. Everything is made up as you go. Nobody has it all figured out. And I once had somebody say to me, you're so lucky you can do a solo show. You're so lucky you can write and, and, and produce and do all of this. Uh, assuming that I had some magic pill that I could do it. I just had a passion to tell a story and to do my work, and I got tired as an actor of waiting for the phone to ring. So I thought, well, how can I create opportunities for myself? And we all have those abilities. And with the Ethernet, we have more opportunities than any ever before because you really don't have to wait. Yes, I really think that's uh, that's why I went into stand-up because, you know, I drive all the way to the Valley to audition for a part that says... I'd like that. No, we don't like you that much. That's, no, no. And, and, and I just wanted, like, I was so tired being in bad plays written by, you know, just stupid things that I wanted the power to create my own show. So passion isn't enough, like, right? It's, it's not. Passion plus action. Okay, so what do we talk about the action? As they say, faith without action? works is dead. If you what have did faith, you say? But faith. They say in, in AA, I'm not, I'm not an alcoholic, but I'm a comic, so I know a lot of alcoholics. And they say in AA, <laughs> faith without works is dead. You have all the faith in the world. If you don't take action, what good is it? So you have the passion. Now, that's why it's important for us to create art about things that really matter to us because it's a lot of work. And if you don't really care about it that much, by the second or third day, you're going to be over it. If you have a story burning inside you that you must add to the planet, if you have something that pulls you out of bed in the morning and you feel, I must tell the story, that's the kind of stuff you should be working on and nothing less, especially if you're creating it. If you're working as an actor or a writer or a producer for hire, sometimes you just say, okay, I'm going to do that. It's not my passion, but it's paying my mortgage. But if it's your own work, it better be something you really care about. And that's where you begin. Yeah, they say your 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 purpose is in life is revealed by the gifts that you give to others. Mm. And certainly your show is a gift. And oh, so first you. let's before cuz I know everybody really wants to know, well, how did you how did you get sell the show? How did you make money from the show? All of this. Let's just first start with what you talked about was your passion. And what was mm -hmm. your passion? Why did cuz it's so hard to write a one-person show. What did you like what what drove you? And I also know you direct one-person shows because I saw one of them that was fabulous. So what is that, Whether you, if you're working with an artist trying to pull out their story or you're pulling out your own story, what is that? What was it for you that you could go, for my entire life, that's what I want to show. That's what I want. That's part of my story. How do we know what is our story and what isn't our story? Well, I think you start with things that call to you that really you're passionate about. I do like the sort of traditional approach of the David Letterman top 10 stories you can't live without. Remember you had the joke list, top 10 jokes. You would always have the contest, the, the lists. I think you do that with your stories in no particular order with no pressure to know what the connective tissue is or how it all makes sense or what's the theme or the arc or what's the beginning or the middle or the end. Just write down a list of 10 one-liners one of, well, there's that story about my wacky uncle. That's got to go in there. And there's the time that I fell in love for the first time. Wh whatever those moments are, make a list of 10 of them. And then take the list and one by one, write a three-page story on each one. Um, I personally have found for my process and with the people I've directed and also the clients that I coach, I have really suggest that if people can get up and perform these pieces, 
as standalone stories, whether it's at a friend's house, invite people, you know, back in the day, remember when we used to be able to go to people's houses? Remember that? So imagine in the future when we can actually hang out together again and your friends have a dinner party and one person brings wine and one person brings dessert and you bring a story and you say to everybody, okay, I'm going to tell you a story for six minutes or I'm going to read you something for eight minutes. And then you start to collect these stories. My solo shows, I've done three of them now and then I've directed six of them, but of the three I've done of my own, um, they all started with four or five or six standalone eight minute stories. And, you know, if you think about it, a typical solo show needs to be about an hour, give or take. So if you can come up with just as a basic guideline, 10, six minute, excuse me, six, 10 minute stories, that's a place to start. And again, I can't, or I can't say enough about, don't worry about how it all comes together. Just start to cultivate material. Write it badly. As Annie Lamott says, you know, I don't know if I can curse here. Can I curse here? You can do whatever the fuck you want. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> All right, then. So Annie Lamott, one of my great heroes, uh, Shiro's, she says uh, she has a whole chapter called Shitty First Drafts. Because where does all good writing come from? Bad writing. You guys have to start somewhere. You make a beginning. So I invite people to write down their stories and start testing them. Don't test them on your lovers or your closest people, though, because sometimes they're so critical that you get scared and then you won't do it. But if you have a dear friend who's also a writer, and you can just say, I'm going to read you something, you read me something. And I don't even want notes right now. You know, Gary Marshall, I heard him speak, the late, great Gary Marshall. And he said, when I first have new material, I share it with people who will make nice only. They're only going to say nice things, my immediate circle. Then the next time, the next draft, it's a little bigger circle. I ask them for some basic notes. And by the time the thing's done and it becomes, you know, a league of their own or whatever big movie up in the screen, the whole world can, you know, throw knives at it and the, the critics come. But by then he knows what the story is. But when you're still formulating and percolating your ideas, you want to feel that they're safe and cozy. And so you'll be willing to, to try things out and find your story because you won't know what your story is until you start writing it. You right. Really so don't invite your mother. I don't, guess that's uh, well, <laughs> don't invite your mother. Don't invite my mother. I don't know your mother, but you know, yes, invite people that you, that you can trust. Yeah, because there are toxic people that will say something and you never see the story the same way again. You see it hmm? like, oh, that's not going to work. I can't get that to work. Or and sometimes really kill it. People that love us sometimes want to protect us because when you're an artist, you're vulnerable and you are open to criticism and they want to protect you. You know, the great writer Erica Jong, who's known for Fear Flying and a million other books, she tells a great story about, um, about her writing and her family said to her, you know, her father loved that she was a writer because she was famous and he kind of thought that was cool. Sister said, can't you wait until we're dead to write these stories? Because she wrote about her family. And she said, you know, I, the dead can do a lot of things. Uh, writing is not one of them. She says, if I, if <laughs> I wait, right, if I wait to write my story, I may never tell it. I can't wait. I can't protect. I have to tell my story. So what, you know, this, this is a burning desire that somebody really has to have. A hundred percent. To take, and, and those suggestions are really great. What are the top 10 stories of your life? Write one line and then. Uh, turn them into three-page stories, maybe yeah. ten-minute stories. And also, I think we don't have to get together in people's living room. We, you can get together on a Zoom call and open up I the just, mics I so read you can a, hear the I read, a, I read a screenplay with 15 other actors last week with our friend Jason Stewart. We took an old script. He'd been in a movie with jo uh, John... What's his name? So brilliant. John Lithgow. And he had the script in his house. 
So he just, we, we sent it to all of us and we read the whole movie. It was amazing. But yes, you can make art this way. There's, so there's you, sure. you know, all I just want to say is that there's really not, nothing stopping you besides what's in your head to get this done. Now, let's, let's move on. I want on to say one to, more, one yeah, more angle with the story. One more thing is, in addition to those, uh, making your list of stories, if you give yourself the exercise, two things. One is, um, a story I must tell before I die. That's a good prompt. Ah. Like something that you feel you're carrying a story in you. Maybe it's your legacy. Maybe it's something, a secret from your family that you feel like the world needs to know. In your case, you have an amazing story, a beautiful story about your sister. And you need to not take that with you out. The, you need to share it with the world. So that's one thing. Yeah. And then the other one is, <laughs> yeah. And the other one is, you know, um, what if you, what would you say if you, you know, that whole thing about what would you do if you could not fail? What would you say, what would you, what would it be like if you would write the story that's been calling to you, a question that's unanswered in your head that you've had for your whole life? What if you write about that? Start there. Start high, you know? Start high. No, not, not that kind of high. Pot, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> start, no. That's, Wendy Hammers, if you take one thing away from this, you just start high. That's um, so funny for me because I'm so the straightest person in the world when it comes to drugs. I don't do them, but yes, start <laughs> Start elevating. Whatever it takes, just start. Um, That's and, true. And, you know, I'm just, I just found that I've been trying to do, write my one-person show for maybe four years. Um, and, and I remember I almost got hit by a car. And, you know, how you swerve and you avoid an accident. And in those moments where I didn't know if I was going to be hit or not, my first thought was, oh, shit, I never finished that show. There you go. And that's a burning desire. That's the show. That's the story yeah, that the you are compelled to tell. And I know all of you listeners, you're thinking of something in your life, and and you have something. And and Wendy's so right because in I took her workshop, and she we just sat around in in her living room, and I just started to write up some stories. And guess what? Now. Uh, the stories that Yay. Wendy encouraged me to write has, has been optioned and going to be produced as soon as people can get out of the house. Yay. Yes. I'm so, and so I'm sure even the stories right now happening in the quarantine are stories that um, you're going to want to tell as well. So let's now talk. You, There's so many people who do write these shows. Nothing ever happens to them. You're one of the few people who actually, you know, I get these emails. Here I am in Canada doing my show. Here I am every friggin' where there is Nan, there is um, Wendy Hammers doing her show, and um, I'm so impressed by it. I'm so impressed about what you do. So, can we have some tips about what entrepreneurial skills do you need to really, you know, get your show out there and fill seats? Can you? Can you? Tell us yes. some of the stuff that... Um, yeah, I mean, it's a huge conversation, but let's say, uh, let's start with the idea that you really need to understand, once you've written your play, let's say your play is written and you want to start performing it, uh, or maybe you've performed it a couple of times locally and you want to think about touring it. You really need to identify very specifically who your audience is, the niche. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, well, it's a comedy and it's for everybody. Well, that might be true, but you can't <clears throat> market that. Yeah. But you can market that it's really for millennials or it's really for, you know, menopausal women or it's really for um, people whose children. I'm going to just pull now for examples of shows I've directed. I directed Megan Dolan's show Lemur Mom 
Um, um, and it's about, it's a hilarious and moving and beautiful show, but it's in many, uh, in a great deal, it's about raising a child who's on the spectrum. So she has a huge community of people who are parents who have children who have those issues. That's her audience. And that's where you I start guess, to guess, you know, I think what, it, what occurs to me is that, you know, on Facebook, there's all these groups. Right. And, and um, according to what, what's going on with you, and from those groups, and you, you know, uh, show maybe some of your stuff, you can get a real loyal following and then have your 100%. core group of, you know, let's just say 500 people are in the group, maybe 200 of them want to come. Right. And then if they all crew- have five friends. I can't do the math that quickly, but I think that's a lot of people. That like is. how that grows. I mean, math is also not my strong suit, which is why I'm an actor and a comic and a writer and not a mathematician. But what, what grows is uh, an idea that you have taken the time and the precision and the love to craft into a really worthwhile property. And once you have that and you feel good about sharing it with the world – then you do. You start to build these communities and it builds on itself. Um, I think people get excited to do these shows and they want to take them out maybe before they're ready. And if you really want to do this in the marketplace and be paid handsomely for the work that you do, then you got to really know that you've got something that you has t- been tested on an audience, has been reviewed, and uh, you start to put together a press kit, you build a website. Nothing of this has to happen overnight. But you do need certain tools in order to be able to sell it. One thing, if you're going to try to tour a show, you absolutely need a website, a good quality, functioning website. You need some reviews. Reviews are much easier to get than they used to be because you could only used to be you could only get reviewed from papers, newspapers, and magazines. And now we have the internet, so there's lots of things, uh, places where people can come and hear your work and see your work and review it. You need those. You need quotes. Um, Or just um, if you workshop your, you know, just workshop it, um, stick an iPhone um, in front of somebody and go, what did you think? Oh, my God, it was amazing. It was great. Right. After the show, absolutely. Have somebody ask, you know, audience immediate feedback. That's that's true, too. And um, just so what do you need on your website? I mean, that I I know I could hear people going like, oh, a website. I mean, what's what's (laughs) what is what is so. Well, I mean, what for, do you put on? What What are some of the basics that you're going to have on your website? Okay, well, first it goes back to if you have a story you're really passionate about, then the idea of putting all these things together won't feel like torture to you because you'll be committed to the end game, which is getting your show out there. If your play is what I call a hangnail play, if you're doing a solo show about the fact you had a hangnail, that's not going to go anywhere. So don't do that. But if you've got a story that really matters, then you get your website, whether you design it or you have somebody design it for you, um, and feel free to, oh, see a lot of other solo shows. I highly recommend that. See what you like, what you don't like, what works, what doesn't, and look at those people's websites as well. I'm going to do a little quick plug right now for all the solo shows I'm involved in, and all of your people can go and look at their sites and see their websites and learn more. You can go to uh, lemurmom.com. That's L-E-M-U-R for Megan Dolan's beautiful show. You can go to a very uh, Fiona Goodwin, fionagoodwin.com for a very British lesbian. 
her show toured and was in Scotland last year. We did the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. We took it to London, which was fabulous. Um, and it was because, see. wasn't it like, because like you said, she found her audience. It has the word lesbian in it. Right. Oh, it's a play for, you know, and then she gets naturally gets an audience from that, right? Yeah. Listen, and also another thing gets an audience is a catchy title. Always have a title that really explains what you're doing. Now, I just directed a show that was supposed to open on March 18th. So needless to say, we are on hold, but it's an Irish stand-up comic from Ireland called Emma Pine. And the show's called um, Confessions of a Catholic Nymphomaniac. I'll go see that. (laughs) I knew you would, because you like Catholics and you like and I like And I like sex. You know, so, so I mean, wow. Um, uh, Catholics, not that much. But anyway. Uh, anyway. Um, so, yeah, what a great, that's so, what a great title. Now I realize the title for my show totally sucks. But it's, it's no, so great it's to a- think about what is your audience you know and And what and who is your audience like of course you know the people that are your friends and family and your close initial audience but if you want to grow the show out and get to people around the world that don't know you a title that explains it or is in some way funny or provocative or enrolling is is a necessity and so you really think about that Uh, yeah I've already changed my title listening to this is so fantastic I'm gonna put the word Jewish um, lesbian and maybe mothers with autism. I'm going to work that all into my title. Okay. All right. Oh, I'm not Judy. a mother, but I will be if I can sell a couple extra seats. All you right. Are so That's funny. who I am. So, um, so what so, else do you need to know? Talk to me because well, I, I feel like there's no, a lot. This, this is this is just this is just awesome. Um, because and, and because also, when people you know what? I just want to say one thing. I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah. but. I just want to say what's so great about this, which what you do, which a lot of people don't do, is people think about marketing as something separate from the creation of a play, like mm-hmm. right. Um, and so they're creating their play, and then they go, "Oh, now, now, what do I do?" And they're totally stuck. And and then their their head goes, "Well, I'll hire someone to do that." And what you're suggesting is from the get go. Start looking at your stories um, and and go. Um, what what group? What but come group to it from a, fit into? Come to it from a very organic and pure place, which is what group can I help? Who needs the message of my play? Who yeah. needs to hear this? Whose life is? Listen, I have a, a dear friend, Pam Levin Wynn, has writing a beautiful solo show, and she's an established solo artist. She's performed many different shows around the world, but she is doing a show right now. She has a child who's transitioning who was born as a girl and identifies as a boy. And she's doing this amazing play about it. Well, I know that every night that she does that play, there's somebody in that audience who potentially whose life could be saved because they're going to learn. Same thing with Fiona's show. Fiona's a show, a show about a woman who was afraid to come out as a lesbian until she was 60 years old. So she spent most of her life denying who she was. Really? People- Did she come out just... A few when years she, ago. Just yeah, when she, she met you, I think it was. Uh, she... she <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I have that effect on people. Uh, so uh, she came out and, well, that, well, that's another point. You make a really great mm-hmm. point. All solo shows are a form of coming out about something. We're all coming, oh. speaking up the truth of who we are. We're taking some story out of the closet and revealing it, right? I never thought about it that way, but so. Okay, so that's it. So I know a lot of people want to stop listening to this podcast. They go, well, I'm not gay. <laughs> I can't do a show. Nobody will come see it. Maybe oh, I'll, 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 I'll try it 
just, uh, you know. Do you remember our beautiful friend Judy Toll? God rest her soul. She used to say, I want to do a solo show, but I had too nice a childhood. Nobody did anything (laughs) mean to me. She said, like, she would like wanted to make up stuff to talk about. Oh, my God. All right. So, so what is, let's talk about what's next for someone like yourself who puts Mm -hmm. together these awesome events and you have um, storytellers come one of the finest storytelling events in, in L.A., one I was really proud to be a part of. And, and now there's this quarantine, and the world's a totally different place. And how we're all kind of reinventing ourselves. So how does somebody who wants to do... I know we've mentioned a couple of these things, but right now, Wendy, what, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing to um, well, the first change, thing the- change things, do all this change? Right. So the first thing is to really take stock in what I have and how blessed and grateful I am to have the life that I do have, that I have a life over a roof over my head and food on my table and that I am not on the front line, but that there are people in the world who are, who are qualified to be so, be there and how grateful am I to them and lucky that I'm in this position. Uh, and you know, what do they say? You know, there are worse things than people saying, you know, go sit on your couch. It's your civil duty, (laughs) civic duty to sit on the couch and take care of the world. So, um, (laughs) I will say this. I am a doer. As Susie Yesman used to say, I'm a doer. I run, do, 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 go, be, do. I used to, I like to move around. I love that. Go, be, do, go, be, do. Do I, I, we need that on a pillow. Okay, go, go ahead. But the problem is I was so busy go being a little bee, busying around, that I have a producer, a podcast producer, who's been trying to get me to take these gorgeous stories from Tasty Words, these beautiful you know, stories that I've had. I have literally about 12 years of archived material. We've been doing these shows for 18 years. We're in our 18th season. She's been trying to get me for eight years to sit still long enough to get this done. And it was not happening until right now in the quarantine. So one of the, um, as I like to say, silver linings in the corona cloud is there are things that have been calling to us, but life has been distracting us. And now we have a moment to focus. So I'm so thrilled to finally be doing this with these stories. And I'm working on something that I'm really excited about. And I can't talk about it yet, except to say that I finally figured out how to take Tasty Words to a, a huge audience. And I'm really oh, it's excited. Oh, it's about a Jewish nymphomaniac. Confessions <laughs> of a Jewish nymphomaniac. Call back. Hey, uh, you know, I just, you know, I, I, I always think while I'm listening, I'm, t- I'm doing these, these podcasts and I have a guest. And I'm trying, you know, and I know my people. I know my listeners. Um, and I have slept with most of them. But, <laughs> no, Lucky uh, them. Kidding, not. <laughs> oh, nice, Wendy. That was, that was like a heckler comeback, but it was I, so positive. It's not I said, like, yeah. Yeah, no. So nice. No, but I know I can hear them thinking. Like they're going, wait a second. Um, she put together the website. Um, and uh, she got a press kit, and you said she's doing all these cities. How does that happen? So I, I, I want to kind of get back to that because I okay. So I getting back to asking me. So, so here, here it is. It's the making step, money part, like we forgot about <laughs> the three-step process. The first step part is to create the product that's amazing, that is wonderful, and make the best show you can make. That's the first, and that's a huge thing. It doesn't happen overnight. But once you've got your show. Then you, the second step is to identify your audience. Be as specific as you can. Literally, I made lists of who would like to see this play, who needs to see this play. Okay. In the case of my show, Ripe, uh, it was for women. It was for Jewish people. It was for um, people who had body image issues. It was for people who um, had lost a dear friend. 
uh, people who were trying to find, there was about a lot of things. I just made lists and I thought about those audiences. And I knew in my case that I could go to the Jewish community centers around the country and that they would have a built-in audience that they had resources to pay me. And that in fact, I could get paid well to travel and still develop my work further. But everybody has to figure out what their version of that is. There are audiences just, and especially if you're talking to a lot of artists, a lot of artists are surrounded by other artists. And many times all of the artists are struggling and they're struggling together and they get into this mindset that there's not enough, there's lack, there's no work. That's not helpful. The fact is there are plenty of people in the world who need artists and want to pay you to do what you do. And case in point, I saw a great thing in the middle of this pandemic that said, if you don't think art matters, imagine your time right now in the quarantine without books or music or videos or dance or theater video. I mean, we'd be lost, right? So you have to trust that. And then you start to identify those audiences and whether you're making cold calls or let's say you get yourself a solo show buddy and you are each each other's fake managers or slash agents and you make calls for each other and you call up and you say, I've got this great show. Can I send you the link to the press kit? Or if I'm doing a live show, can you come and see it? Uh, but you start to get the word out and you have the press kit should be as impressive as possible because it's really your calling card. It's your business card. It's the first and sometimes only way you have to let people know who you are if you're not a household name. Wow. Wendy Hammers, this has been so awesome. And I want to do a, a, a recap and see if I can read my own scribbling here. OK, so you have, um, first of all, three ways um, to create a successful show that actually makes money. And that is, first of all, by creating a product that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, two, it's by identifying your audiences. Three, and it's having you and a buddy pitch your show to that audience to do some research, to find the groups, to find the person to talk to. You can do that, and it's so much more. It's so much easier to um, have someone else pitch you, and you pitch someone else than to pitch and, yourself. And we are in a moment right now that will not last forever, where every think of the most interesting or famous or person that you'd want to connect to in the world. Think of any person you can think of. Whoever they're it is. available. They're in their living room in their underwear right now. They are. They're all, and that's never going to happen again. So people are hungry to connect and they're open to things. I think you have to trust that and go with that. That's what I'm doing. Oh, that's fantastic. And I mm -hmm. just want to give like, so if you're creating your show, Wendy's tips were just write just one sentence about the top 10 stories of your life, just a one liner, and then um, expand it into just three page stories for, for each one. And then you can turn them into just standalone stories. Find your four or five best and find a place to perform it. Maybe it's just a Zoom meeting with some supportive friends, not critical, toxic friends. You want people to go, yay, because it'll just <laughs> keep getting better and better. And then um, what else? And then I can't, when you have to tell, find your, okay. Oh. And while you're doing this, connect with the solo show community mm -hmm. and find them and go support them. That's when I started doing my show. I started to see so many solo shows because you can see what you love that they're doing and what you didn't like. And workshop, workshop your show. And then 
Um, create a press kit and website and look up Wendy Hammers and her show Ripe to see how it's done right. And they can and, look at the, the ripetheplay.com website so they can see the Oh, ripetheplay.com the, Yeah, you know, website. actually, all they have to remember is wendyhammers.com. That will get That's them there. That's what I figure because, you know, you have a great site yeah. and all goes places. And, you know, gather some reviews. And anytime, anytime anybody says anything good, get out your phone, tape it. Yay! You have a testimonial. I love it. Wow. Thank Wonderful. you so much. And thank you, listeners, for all the great reviews. Please share our podcast and subscribe. Take care. If you would like to learn more about turning your purpose into a career, go to themessageofyou.com where I'll give you free access to my online course. Click the button in the top banner when you get there. If you'd like to learn more about what I'm doing, then go to judycarter.com. Thanks for listening, and let's find your message and launch your career.